So uh, Luke chapter 20, verse 20. Uh, so they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be righteous. I love this right here. So they've, they've got some people here. Uh, and uh, so they're, they're watching Jesus and they get these spies who are pretending to have uh, a, a um, uh, true, uh, um, genuine uh, desire to learn something from Jesus. But really all they're doing as spies is just trying to trap him as we discussed. So uh, as they watched him, it says, he sent spies who pretended to be righteous that they might seize on his words in order to deliver him to the power and authority of the governor. Uh, then they asked him saying, uh, teacher, uh, we know that you say and teach rightly, and you do not show partial, uh, not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. So, if you haven't picked up on it, that's all flattery. That's all. That's all just trying to to gain, uh, like like they're going to pull the wool over his eyes, you know. So, um, I heard one one pastor, uh, blessed by him, he's like, "Yep, when I hear that, I move my pocket from my back, uh, my wallet from my back pocket to my front pocket." <laughs> you know, once you hear a few things right right in a row, and that was that was a blessing. Um, you know, those, those are the times where, wait a minute, this is, this is, this is not normal. This type of, you know, uh, you know, what you're doing here doesn't feel right. Doesn't fear feel normal. So, you know, no matter, no matter what they're trying to do, they don't understand that, you know, there's, they're still testing Jesus and not getting the point of who he is. Uh, so they go and they ask the question, say, is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, why do you test me? Show me a denarius. Whose image and inscription does it have? They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. But they could not catch him in his words and the presence of the people. And he marveled, uh, and they marveled at his answer and kept silent. So, uh, so they think they've got Jesus. Uh, we, we've we've gone over a couple of these that you know when when you're when you're stepping out when you're getting to the point where you're going to call somebody out publicly. Um, this just you know makes my mind flash a little bit to like the the junior high uh, playground. You know when you're going to call somebody out. You know usually what, what I don't know about you guys, but when you saw something that was going to happen, it was usually not one on one. It was, I got 47 of my friends behind me, and you're over here playing kickball and uh, just lost the ball, and you're all by yourself. You know, it was that mindset of, I got you. You know, you know uh, there's the, uh, uh, you know, they've got him out there, and they think they've got him. And uh, so what they're going to do is they're going to, uh, I'm guessing they wouldn't have been in any type of religious garb or anything. And uh, they come and they present a question as though it's a, uh, a sincere question from their heart that they're trying to figure out, should we be paying taxes? And uh, they, they can't even, you know, fake being, um, uh, being uh, authentic. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, what they're doing is, is, is clear. And, and the Lord, it says that, you know, uh, he perceived their craftiness. He know he knows what's going on. So when they ask the question, you know, um, it's uh, you know one thing that stuck out uh, that sticks out to me as we're reading this is it's uh, it's impossible to succeed at pretending anything in front of Jesus. 
you know, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I, <laughs> I was blessed last night. Um, my youngest daughter, Natalie wanted to take some friends to the Bay festival in Bucksport and cause they wanted to kind of run around and then they went swimming and then we get back to, for the fireworks and, uh, we get, uh, they're all sitting and they wanted me, they want to sit in the back of my truck. So we go to the fireworks in my truck so they can sit outside and, you know, they wanted to tailgate, they said. So, so they're all sitting back there. And, and one of the, one of my daughter's friends, um, she tells this joke and, and, you know, she had a little bit of a broken joke, but we, we got the, the hint and her sister's like, I got to tell you a joke. And she starts telling us the same exactor. She wants to tell it a little bit better. You know what I mean? It's that like, we, we weren't going to pick up on, on the fact that it was just, it was just told. So it was, it was a cute thing. You know, some of the things that as, as, as kids that we think that, Oh, nobody's going to pick up on this. Nobody's going to, uh, so I saw a, a cute picture and it really does say a lot about, um, you know, what is needed in this country, but it was a, a little Af- African American boy, a little, a little white kid, and they both shaved their heads and they went into, they went into school the next day and they wanted to trick their, their teacher so that she wouldn't be able to tell them apart. You know what I mean? It just so, it was so awesome. You know what I mean? That, that innocence there, you know, these guys don't have this, they're still trying to they're, these guys are deceptive, you know, they're, you know, a kid might try and, you know, it's, it's funny. We can kind of see it and the Lord perceives that in, in anybody's heart, just like we can see it in that little kid's heart. The Lord can see it in our hearts. Like, you know, he's just going to look at us and what are you doing? <laughs> you know, he, like he's, like he says here, why do you test me? You know, so it, it's, it's almost as, as, as silly as the girl trying to tell us the joke, like we didn't just hear it, you know, that type of thing. And, um, you know, the, the Lord here is, is, uh, is not having it. You know, he knows what they're doing. They're trying to paint him into that corner where the, you know, he's either going to look like he's, um, an insurrectionist and, and he's teaching people to, uh, to not respect Rome and to not pay their, uh, their taxes, or he's, uh, or he's just uh, going to be of the mindset that yeah, you should pay Rome, and then he's going to lose a lot of fanfare with the people. You know, it was it was one way or the other, but ultimately their biggest goal was to be able to turn him in. That's what it just says there. Um, but they they thought they had him there. So you know, the Lord, uh, e- sorry, even through their flattery, um, you know, just just beware of it. Uh, you know, it's also um, beware of our hearts because you know we, especially. Uh, in certain circumstances, it's easy to get flattered and not understand what it is. But we see what it was here. You know, is you know three compliments right in a row, boom, 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 and you know the, the Lord just exposes them. But uh, as we as we you know move forward in this, um, the question was: Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Uh, as uh, Christians, yes. You know, we 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 are subject to the authorities placed over us. The Scripture is very clear on that. We do have to pay taxes. We, as much as we don't like them, you know, uh, you you can move out of one town and move to another. You know, I, I was talking to a friend from um, from uh, from uh, Connecticut, and he was like, "Oh, my mill rate's like thirty eight. <laughs> oh my goodness, you know." And you know, you move to a small town or whatever. He was so excited to move out of there and. You know, we're not stuck where we're at, but you know, we're we're always going to pay taxes, whether it's at the you know the cash register or whatever. It, it is lawful for us to pay taxes. It was lawful back then, and it's lawful now. It's it's it, it, you know it. Um, Jesus is uh, saying here, and the scripture does uh, tell us that you know these governments do exist, and that it's our our duty to pay taxes uh, as as citizens that we're supposed to. So uh, even those guys, these guys are are, are fakes, and uh, Jesus has has called them out, and um, 
he's he's really setting in order everything that's happening here. Uh, we do we do have to pay taxes. So if you're not paying taxes, um, I don't even think you really need to pay about it, uh, pray about it much. You just need to <laughs> get that stuff uh, in order because otherwise things might get uh, sticky for you. Uh, you can be very – some people are very good with taxes and you might want to go talk to an, a person that can do write-offs, everything. There's nothing wrong with doing write-offs and stuff like that. I um, I was speaking with a, uh, uh, a younger lady once and she was asking about a gift, um, you know, giving a, a gift uh, to church. And I said, yeah, well, you know, when, when you do, just make sure – uh, you put your name on it if you'd like to uh, uh, to be able to claim that on taxes to not get taxed on that that later and 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 I could see there was a little bit of a conflict in her heart and I'm like no that's 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 a hundred percent okay uh, your your money that you've received has already been taxed and then if you're giving it then you don't get taxed on it again you see and so I, I just explained that to her and and uh, you know. Took that for what it was and, and move forward, but uh, it, it is very much okay for us to do that. Um, so we're not double taxed on on things. So, so the Lord, uh, after He says, "Why do you test me?" He says, "Show me a denarius. Uh, whose image uh, and inscription does it have?" So, uh, so right now, I think that me personally, if I was there watching, I feel like if I'm I'm watching this right now, they're getting a little bit nervous. They're getting a little bit nervous, like, okay, he's asking for something. Last time, you know, when he, we were asking questions, you know, he flipped it around on us. Is he going to do it this time? But this is a straightforward thing. Should we take, pay taxes or not, right? And uh, so the, the Lord does say, hey, uh, you know, show me a denarius. And whose inscription does it have? And, and he, he makes them stay in this. It wasn't one thing where they were just going to ask, you know, if they're, you're going to challenge, I'm going to make you say, I'm going to make you participate in this. And he says, uh, and it says, uh, they answered and said, Caesar's. And Jesus said to him, and he said to them, render therefore to Caesar, the things that are Caesar's and to God, the things that are God's. So, uh, you know, like we said, they, they thought they had him, uh, they've got him here. And he just basically says, no, yeah, pay, pay your taxes. Pay the things that Caesar is due when uh, something is, is due to Caesar, render to Caesar what's Caesar. His inscription's on there, so render to him what's his. But on the other side of it, so he, he answers their question, and but on the other side of it, he, he ch and then challenges them. And he says, render to God what is God's. You know, if, if, if Caesar's image is on that coin, then render that to him. We bear the image of God. So we should be rendering our hearts, our lives to God. And uh, so you see what he's saying there. He's like, you guys, you guys are talking to me about money. I'm going to, I love, I love how the Lord just ministers and, and he gets right to the heart of things. He goes, but you need to render to God what the things that are God's. And once again, Jesus, that only, only the ability that, that the creator would have. I'd uh, be able to put his finger right on. Well, you know, you've got this going on. You, you're all dressed up or you're acting like you're somebody else here. And you're asking this question here, making all these distractions here. But this is the problem, you know, and, and, and Jesus is be able to, to address it. So we don't give anybody or anything um, uh, the uh, the due that God is due in our lives. So always render to God what is God's. We do bear his image. Uh, you go all the way back to Genesis 1. I mean, that's the beginning of the Bible. And uh, it's, it's literally uh, what, what he says, let us make man in our own image. When he says us, there's your first uh, look at the Trinity. And um, 
because he does, it's not like he had angels sitting there helping him. Not, not like the angels were helping him. Um, but I'm just gonna I'm gonna read that portion to you. It says, um, and then God said, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness." And then it just says, "Let him have dominion over this, the fish and sea and everything." It says, verse 27. It says, "So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them." So there's our answer. That's that's our answer. It, the 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 basic understanding of who like who is man and where did we come from? It's from the first chapter of the Bible. I mean, God put it right there. It wasn't. It's not hard for us to find. We as a nation uh, here have uh, have embraced um, a a false teaching in evolution that has several kids uh, questioning like. Who am I? What's happening? What's going on in this world? Where did I come from? Where am I going? All those those big spiritual questions are just because we're rejecting as a nation. We're re- we're rejecting the first chapter of of the book. You know, it's it's literally it's that simple, um, and it's right there. And how many billions? Maybe I don't know, trillions. Uh, have been spent on trying to disprove God and trying to prove that only science is true. You know, instead of worshiping the one that created all the science that we can dig into and, and, and look at the, the, the fascinations in this world and render to God the praise that's due to him, you know, when we can, when we can show, um, uh, you know, look, look outside at creation and just see how beautiful, I mean, look where we live, you know, just so gorgeous here, you know, and praise God for that. And, you know, when he's here and he's having this discussion, um, you know, these, these guys still have their, their, their ulterior motive of, of trying to catch him here. Um, but he, he, he's not tricked by it. And, and the basic truth of just rendering to God what is God's. Yes, you have to pay your taxes. And yes, you should be uh, walking with the Lord in your life and understanding, you know, he gets the praise due and that we were made in his image. So that's the, that's the answer they get from Jesus. And verse 26 says, but they could not catch him. Uh, in his words, uh, in the presence of the people, and they marveled at his answer and kept silent. He literally left them speechless. You know, just just the basics. You know, Jesus is able to say, "Hey, just show me a coin. Wh- whose inscription's on there? Great. Render to him what's what's due him, but don't forget about God. More importantly, render to God what is God's." And uh, leaves them speechless. They're they're totally lost. Uh, they don't know what else to do, and uh, just just understand. The the we, we do have to pay our taxes, uh, render to Caesar. You know, uh, we to our government. We do have to pay taxes to those, but more importantly, render to God in our own lives, how we live our lives. Um, we should be rendering to Him what is due Him also. So uh, after the uh, the Pharisees and uh, after they had their uh, their thing here, as as they're trying to do um, the the their own tricks. Then the Sadducees come in in verse 27. Now the Sadducees are extremely different than the Pharisees. Um, uh, they, uh, they didn't believe uh, in afterlife. They didn't believe uh, in angels, the resurrection. Um, they didn't believe in miracles, uh, any, any of those things. So very different um, than the Pharisees, the Pharisees uh, and, and, and the Pharisees, sorry, the Sadducees, only uh, honored the first five books of the Bible. So uh, when when they're only going through the Pentateuch, the the, the books of the law, uh, that's all that they respected. 
So, uh, you know, the Pharisees would, would go all the way through uh, the whole Old Testament, you know. So uh, with, with these guys, um, they're a different breed. You know, they've got a, a different mindset. Uh, you're more, uh, more of your thinkers, more of the people that are going to um, uh, have a lot more pride in who they are and uh, what their position is in life. So the Sadducees were quite different than uh, than the Pharisees themselves. So when they come, they're going to ask a question about resurrection. They don't even believe in resurrection. So uh, so when they're asking the question about it, and you're going to see it's a weird setting that they're that they're putting in here. Um, it's it's the it's the and if you. Uh, I've heard of, of some modern day topics of, you know, abortion or those things. There's the weirdest uh, scenarios that are presented. What about, you know, you guys might have heard of it with, uh, you know, if we're aborigine that's never heard, you know, and they're like, are they saved? Are they not? You know, let's let's take the most extreme uh, circumstance and let's throw that in there. So it's it's almost that type of thing. But they, they've got a, a thing here that. Uh, they're going to ask Jesus about a resurrection that they don't even believe in anyway. So they're they're mocking resurrection, really, as they're asking this. <clears throat> so uh, in verse 27, it says, And some of the Sadducees who deny that there is a resurrection came to him, asked him, and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies having a wife and dies without children, his brother uh, should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. So uh, we haven't done a whole lot of flipping back and forth, but I would like you uh, to please uh, just mark a place here in Luke 20 and turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 25, please. Deuteronomy 25. Just going to look at what what they're talking about here. Deuteronomy chapter twenty five, verse five is where we're going. Verse five says, "If brothers dwell together and one of them dies and has no son, the widow of the dead man shall not be uh, be married to a stranger outside the family." Her husband's brother shall go into her and take him, take her as wife, and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. And it shall be that the firstborn son, which she bears, uh, will succeed uh, to the name of his dead brother, that the last, uh, that his name may not be blotted out in Israel. So what's happening here is brother dies, the other one uh, isn't married, then they would take on that brother's wife and the first baby that's born firstborn son would bear the brother the dead brother's name so that that name would carry on i know i stumbled through that a little bit so uh, if that makes sense then uh, verse 7 says but if the man does not want to take his brother's wife then let his brother's wife go up to the gate to the elders and say my husband's brother refuses to raise up a name uh, to his brother in israel he will not perform the duty of my husband's brother then the elders of the city shall call him and speak to him. But if he stands firm and says, I do not want to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the presence of the elders, remove his sandal from his foot, spit in his face, 
and answer and say, So shall it be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house. And his name shall be called in Israel, the house of him who had his sandal removed. Greatly shamed. Greatly shamed. <clears throat> Especially in that culture. Um, for for your sandal to be removed from your foot and for a woman to spit in your face in the front in front of the elders. So so he's going to be limping back, right? He, he's he's had his sandal removed. Everybody, he's walking different. So everybody's going to see. Oh wait a minute, something's happening here. So he can't even hide it, you know. And and what ends up happening is this man has decided that he's going to reject God's God's law, God's command. Um, he has the freedom to do so, but at his own reputation, at the cost of his own reputation, is really what it is, you know. And, and to not honor his brother, um, any loving brother, uh, especially understanding this uh, in 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 the um, Israeli culture, uh, understanding. I mean, my brother's name is going to die, and just being like, yeah, I don't care. You know, then, you know, she can go to the elders just as we read. And then the elders are going to come to him. And if he still says, I'm not doing it, he has to go through this process and get shamed in public and sent away. And it even says, and, the na uh, and his name shall be called in Israel, the house of him who had his sandal removed. You know, there's going to be shame. You know, everybody's going to say, oh, there's the guy that wouldn't obey God, wouldn't take care of his, his brother's family. Um, you might remember... Uh, in Genesis, I think it's, I think it's 38. Um, I'm just going to read it very fast to you. You don't have to turn there. I don't mean to make you do uh, Bible gymnastics here, but uh, it might be familiar with Tamar. Um, Tamar lost her husband, Ur, uh, who was uh, um, Judah's son. And uh, verse 7 says, But Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord killed him. Now, this is a little bit older of an audience, uh, had we been a little bit fast forwarded uh, uh, this morning, there is a reason we have children's church because sometimes you can't get into something like this um, when you have some young kids here and, and they're going to have a lot more fun being upstairs eating snacks, crackers, cookies. I've seen them up there. They do have a lot more fun than when they're sitting here being quiet. So, um, but this is very much an adult thing for us to study. So, uh, so Ur uh, did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord killed him. Verse 8 says, And Judah said uh, uh, to uh, Onan, so the father says to the son, Go into your brother's wife and marry her and raise up an heir uh, to your brother. But Onan knew that the heir would not be his, and it came to pass when he went into his brother's wife uh, that he emitted on the ground, lest he should give an heir to his brother. And a thing which he did displeased the Lord, therefore he killed him also. So it's when, when you think of, you know, what, so these, these Sadducees, the, the situation that they're, uh, they're talking about is a sad one. You know, you have a, a woman that's, that's lost her husband. Um, they don't have any children. Uh, when someone's a widow, then they don't have any other provision. This is a way for them to be provided for. So uh, they're supposed to, and that's that's the way it's supposed to go. Um, when we just read about Onan, Onan wanted to take care, uh, take advantage of somebody who was in mourning to satisfy his own sin sinful um, fleshly desire for uh, sexual gratification. Is literally what he did. So and so he he went and did that. But when it came to the point where his seed would have you know made her pregnant. 
he just says, nope, we're not going to do this. And he mitts on the ground. That's, that's awful. That's so wicked. You know, and uh, so literally, and the reason he lost his life is because the wickedness in his heart that the Lord knew was there and, and the Lord addresses it. And, uh, you know, for, for his sinfulness, he lost his life. So uh, I just wanted to set the setting of, of where we're at here because it, it is in the scripture. It's in Deuteronomy 25. You can go back there and we can read what the, um, what the, uh, the, uh, the sons, uh, the other sons, um, response is supposed to be when his brother dies and doesn't have any children. So, um, so uh, when when we look into this and then we go back and we look at her, um, we see a, a, a sad situation that would develop here. This this isn't a true story. So we we're going to read through this and ever and and look and this she, they're really giving him like a Henry the Eighth type thing is, you know, remember that song, I'm Henry VIII, you know, it's like that, that weird, I got married to the widow next door, she's been married seven times before, you know, that whole thing, it's a really weird, uh, weird song, it's pro probably totally different than what we're talking, but it's, it's that type of weirdness, like, oh my goodness, that was, she's been through a lot, you know, and uh, so, so they're gonna, they're, they're presenting him uh, now uh, with a, uh, with a pretty, pretty, uh, uh, crazy story. We'll say, uh, the, the words escaping me right now. 29 says, now there were seven brothers and the first took a wife and died without children. And the second took her as wife and he died childless. Then the third took her and in like manner, the seven also, and they left no children and died. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore in the resurrection, whose wife does she become? For all seven uh, had her as wife. Now remember, these guys don't rem don't believe in the resurrection. It even says there in verse twenty-seven, they don't believe in the resurrection. This is this is a weird. I heard one pastor uh, says that I that he was thinking, hey, I'm going to get this guy's at least known as a good teacher. We're going to get the the answer, and then we're going to be able to have the answer to maybe uh, defeat the an argument they were having with the Pharisees over it or something. So I, I was blessed by that. You know, when I heard it, and he's like, this is, is not uh, a scripture, but he go, he, he said that's what he was um, he was uh, convinced of. So um, so they're, they're not concerned uh, at all about, uh, you know, a widow and being remarried or anything because they don't believe in the resurrection in and of itself. So this whole situation that they're posing uh, isn't even from a sincere heart. They're just they're they're putting these things out here. So Jesus answered and said to them in verse 34, uh, the sons of <clears throat> sons of this age marry and are given in marriage. But those who are counted worthy to attain that age and the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. So so Jesus right there is, is talking about that there is a resurrection and that when people uh, have uh, when they've come into eternal life because of their relationship with him. Uh, he, he's kind of painting that. So I just wanted to say there is eternal life. And, uh, and he's talking about that. There is a way to have eternal life. Verse 36 says, nor can they die anymore for they are equal to the angels and are sons of God being sons of the resurrection. But even Moses showed in the burning bush passage that the dead are raised. And he called, uh, he called the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, for he's not the God of the dead, but of the living, for all live to him. So uh, so they've, they've got this whole scenario, and uh, they, they think they've got it all played out, 
and um, they what. So Jesus immediately uh, said, okay, I understand what you're asking here. Uh, and he starts dismantling their whole situation. First of all, there is a resurrection. He doesn't say it this way. This is a total paraphrase of mine. And he's explaining uh, eternity does exist. Resurrection does exist. Uh, and uh, then he, he starts to describe a little bit more of, of uh, you know, what these guys need to understand. But then he actually, if you look here in um, verse 30. Uh, 37, he actually takes them to the scriptures that they do hold as true to teach them and, and to uh, to drive home the point. And so so we'll get into that here in just a moment. So uh, Jesus explains that, that marriage and death um, aren't really, they're not a part of eternity. We, we, we don't get, uh, there isn't a need for marriage and procreation in eternity. And, uh, you know, we're blessed that we can have the closest um, uh, of relationships here on earth. And, uh, I can tell you right now, uh, if there was a chance to marry anybody in heaven, my wife is going with me. And, you know, I, I, what I hope to settle for is just to have her there praising with me for eternity, that we're, we're right next to each other for eternity. Um, you know, whether we have these, this ring to remind us or not, you know, I just, I just want to be there with her. But, um, essentially what the Lord is saying here is, is uh, you, you guys have, have got it all wrong. There is resurrection. There is not, uh, you know, you, you don't have to be married and, and to procreate uh, in heaven. Those are, uh, those are things that were created here on earth. So, uh, so he goes and he's, he's explaining those, <clears throat> those things to them. But he's, he wants to get to the point here. Uh, uh, verse 36, he says, nor can they die anymore. Um, for they are equal, so they're, they're eternal beings. So these guys don't believe in eternity. They don't believe in um, uh, being eternal beings. That that there there is an afterlife. All those things. Um, so so what he does is he just explains to them that uh, that when you know people are sons of God and they die, they go to heaven and they're with God. Um, and uh, he says they don't die anymore. Uh, they are equal to the angels and are sons of God, meaning they're eternal. The the the. They're no longer subject to death. When we're in heaven, we don't have to worry about dying anymore. Um, uh, being sons of the resurrection, he said. Verse 37, but even Moses showed in the burning bush passage that the dead are raised uh, when he called the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of J uh, Isaac, the God of Jacob. I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? That's what it says if you go all the way back to that, that passage. Um, so it's uh, in Ex that's Exodus 3, verses 1 through 6. Um, it, it, the, the Lord is saying there, there is resurrection. So, so these guys, uh, in another way, they, these guys are, are um, uh, learning that they're wrong in and of themselves. Verse thirty-eight it says, uh, "For he is not the God of the living of the dead, uh, but of the living. For all live to him." So, this whole situation that they put together, everything once again, just like uh, what we had just read, Jesus is able to say, "Okay, this foolishness, I'm going to answer your question and put aside, and I'm going to teach you something you need to know right now." And he goes right to, "Okay, if you only if you only obey the first five uh, five books of the law, I'm going to teach you from that from that scripture right there, and say uh, just right there that that resurrection does exist, and he he." is the one that was resurrected first. And, and that, you know, when we die, we go to heaven with him, you know? So we, we have the, um, the blessed assurance of knowing we're going to be him. So, um, and, and understanding that, uh, that the Lord just took care of this, that resurrection is a fact and, and they're just denying it. Um, so he turns the attention on them 
uh, and on their foolishness uh, and the foolishness of the Sadducees. Uh, you look at 30, 39 and you get a sense of that because then some of the scribes, scribes were the ones that would transcribe the scripture. They, they spent their whole day um, just writing down, copying the scriptures, making copies of the, of the Bible. Um, so they, they understand what's written in, written in the scripture. They know the words that are written on there, but obviously uh, what we're going to see at the end of this chapter is they're still off. They know what's written, written there. They've written the words that are there, but they don't understand those words even themselves as they're the ones that are doing the copying. Um, but then the scribes give him an actual, this is, this is a, a very high praise for somebody to receive from the scribes. and says, teacher, you have, you have spoken well. But after that, they dared not question him anymore. So we see that two of those examples uh, just right back to back is they're, they're silent and he's sending them on their way. You know, the Lord knows who they are, what's their, what their motives are, everything. And, uh, and they're, they're left um, at kind of that, uh, kind of that point where you, um, you're going to uh, tuck tail <laughs> and walk away. You've seen a dog that's been shamed and everything. That tail is just right between the legs. And they're, yeah, that's, that's where these guys are at. Verse 41, and he said to them, how can they say that the Christ is the son of David, himself, uh, uh, son of David? And then verse 42 says, now David himself said in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, David calls him Lord. How is he then his son? So, uh, so the Lord wants to uh, wants to teach of um, when 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 David uh, wrote this, uh, and and you can look in. Uh, so you can look at a messianic psalm like uh, Psalm two, um, and we've talked recently about Psalm one ten, uh, one eighteen. When when you look into um, some of those and and understand what's being said here, this is this is actually being. Uh, quoted from Psalm 110, the messianic um, uh, messianic psalm. Uh, you go into the book of Hebrews, uh, it, where it's explaining who Jesus is. You go to the be beginning of John, where it says, "In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God." And then you uh, and then you go. Uh, I think it's verse 14, where it says, "And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us." We start understanding who Jesus is. Uh, and so Jesus is posing the question of how can David call his son Lord? You know, and and how, who how was David how was Jesus addressed during his ministry? Remember the, the the blind man, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, son of David. So David himself called Jesus Lord. So he's posing that question, like if Jesus, sorry, if, if David is is addressing me as Lord, you know, what what are you going to do with that? And he and he he lays that in their lap in verse forty four when he says, therefore, David calls him Lord. How is he then? How is he then his son? So it's the the declaration, that, and, and he's asking the question, you know, and it's and it is in and of itself a declaration that he is the Messiah, you know. He's been revealing that, and once again, he's saying, how could David write that to his son? Nobody calls their son greater than them, right? You know, no king. You look at an earthly king. No earthly king is going to call, uh, you know, their son, your highness. You know they're not they're not going to do that, but David understood that the Messiah was going to come from his line, from the tribe of Judah, and that's why David is able to write that in Psalm one ten, 
So, the, and the Lord's just once again declaring that he is the Messiah and that he fulfills that scripture. And uh, it, it's, it's a, a great thing. So, and then look at Psalm 2 when you want to look at uh, uh, the, when uh, Jesus is uh, talking about here, till I make your enemies your footstool. Psalm 2 is a, a neat one to read. Uh, so, uh, Jesus once again declaring through the scripture, through the fulfillment of scripture, that he is the Messiah. Verse 45, then in the hearing of all the people, he said to his disciples, beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses and make pretense, and for a pretense, make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. So, Jesus is exposing now the scribes. So the, the Pharisees have been dealt with. The Sadducees have been dealt with. Uh, now he's saying, uh, you know, beware of the scribes. The, the ones that should know the scriptures because they're writing them down all day. He says, beware of them. And what's happened is, is they, like we've seen before, uh, even in, in recent weeks, as we've studied, they just like uh, you know the Pharisees or uh, anybody who is in a, a, a spot of prominence uh, spiritually uh, grew to love the attention that they were getting. So and you know they they're loving these greetings of fame. Uh, they love being seen as important. Um, they like uh, taking advantage. It says here that they take advantage of widows. It says devour widows' houses, um, uh, making fake prayers. Uh, they're going to receive greater condemnation. There's, there's a we we are we are judged based on what we know. You know that's why when you look at when you read in the scripture where it says let not many. Uh, I think I'm struggling to remember. I think it was uh, Paul, uh, an epistle of Paul, not Peter. I think it was Paul, uh, where he says don't let a don't let many strive to be teachers because you're going to have we face a tristor, uh, stricter judgment. Now, anybody who's like, hey, I can't wait to be a pastor. Like, hey, let's talk about that. We're, we're held to a higher standard. There, there, is, there is more expected to, of all of us as Christians because we know better. You know, so, so when the Lord is saying here, these will receive a, a greater condemnation, condemnation because they should know better than, than to accept all these things and to conduct themselves this way. Instead of caring for the widows, devouring widows' houses, that's awful. That's awful. You know, you think of, of the Lord's provision for widows in the scripture and, and the, the systems of welfare that he had for the poor and the widow of, hey, when you guys are gleaning and you drop things or you miss things, you can't go back. That's for people in need. That's for the widows. That's for the, 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 the poor, the, the, the orphan, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, if you think of, uh, of, I think it's James chapter one, where it talks about pure and undefiled religion before God uh, is to care for widows and orphans in their trouble. Those people are to be protected, not to be devoured, not like a, a wolf is going to devour them. It's, it's to be protected. They should be ministering. They should be caring for. Uh, so the Lord just takes this opportunity to speak out against them and call them out. We're going to uh, go into the first, um, first four verses uh, of, of 21, and then we're going to stop. I, uh, I, I do want to. I do want to cover this. I think it's fairly, fairly quick. 
Um, and, uh, and then, uh, the rest of, of, uh, 21, when we get into this is going to be a much more in depth conversation that I don't want to be rushed through. So uh, I'd rather, um, uh, get into this. We did only do three songs, um, today cause I'm nasally trying to sing and everything. So we're still going to do at least a 45 minute, uh, uh, you know, lesson and everything today. But so we're just going to do, uh, verses one through four of, uh, Luke uh, chapter 21. And he, and he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a certain widow, uh, also a certain widow. Um, I need to back up. And he, he saw also a certain poor widow uh, putting in two mites. So he said, truly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all of these out of their abundance have put in uh, offerings for God. But she out of her poverty uh, put in all livelihood, all the livelihood that she had. So we've we've discussed this portion of scripture here fairly recently, um, and then it kind of went back to it uh, again uh, fairly recently. So this is probably going to be fresh in in your mind if you were here for those studies. But uh, you know, Jesus is is um, looking and, and sees the rich putting it in and, and uh, putting their 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 offerings in, and it wouldn't have been crazy for somebody to blow, be you know blowing trumpets, making a big deal about what they're doing. I've heard of local churches even here with you know when a, a trumpet sounded or a loud sound. I said here in Maine and down east Maine, trumpet sounds, everybody waves what they're doing so that everybody sees I'm giving, I'm giving. And what did what did Jesus say? When we give, don't let one hand know what the other hand is doing. That's we're that's disobedient to scripture. Yes, be a cheerful giver. That's that's great. That's awesome. You know, cheerfully give to the Lord, but don't make a big deal of it. Don't be like, yeah, if I hadn't just given that ten grand, you know, like that guess what? You just received a reward right there. <laughs> Whatever their response is, that's where that reward ends. You know, we, we give secretly. We give to the Lord and, and not to be praised. Um, so so these guys are they've got it all. I, I just see I just see here, you know, all, all dressed up uh, in their best gear and you know, ensuring that everybody sees, you know, making sure oh, you know, hold on, I gotta get this bucket. Oh, yeah, sorry, we got another bucket. Is that a problem? You know, that it's that type of giving, you know, just to make sure that they're seen. Um, but what stops everything? is the widow going with the two small copper coins. We've discussed this recently, so we won't get into too much detail, but you know, the copper almost, was almost worthless, you know? Uh, so, uh, you know, those coins in comparison, remember what was said of, of Solomon's kingdom that he had so much gold that silver was worth nothing. And then you think of like bronze uh, and then you think of like, you know, copper, <laughs> you know what I mean? So th this woman had nothing to her name and she gave what she did have. And the Lord says, you know, if, if you look at, um, uh, you know, a kind of a pound for pound type thing, she gave more than anybody. And out of her own heart, she gave more. Uh, she offered everything she had to God. And uh, that's why she gave, you know, as, as an amount, obviously, you look at the mathematics, the mathematics don't work. But th those mathematics in God's kingdom are so different than earthly, you know, uh, and, and just seeing that she was willing to give whatever she had. And, and, you know, uh, to me, as I, you know, read through that and I studied it and just kind of meditating on it and chewing it, I'm like, I wonder what type of life she lived. And based on what I see here, this is my, con this is not the biblical con conclusion, but my conclusion is, is that she's a widow. So she was married and that her and her husband, um, 
Uh, they live. I, I think that they lived a simple but full life with what they had. You know, she's poor. Uh, she doesn't have anything to her. Um, uh, they just focused on loving others, but loving what we see in here that is that I think that she had a loving relationship with her husband and was led in God's ways. But they also loved people because I, you know, thinking about that, that we don't know what she said or what she was thinking, but it makes me think that only someone that loves God uh, could do that to give the last of what they have to him and do it so quietly, some so humbly. And I, I have to believe that she thought through the, the last of what she had and said, somebody needs this more than me, you know? And it's just such an amazing thing. Uh, when I, when I read that, that, like I said, that's, that's my own personal thing, but it just, who was this woman and, and what was her, what was her story? We don't, we don't have her whole story, but I, that's what I think, you know, when, when she's, she's a, a person that loved God and I believe that served God her whole life. And then when she got to that point, she's like, well, it's all, everything else is gone. Somebody else needs more of this, more of this than me. So needs this more than me. So, uh, that's our study tonight. And, uh, I'm blessed uh, to end it there, uh, just to see a woman giving her all to God and, um, that, uh, that we can see that and, uh, whether it is finance, finances for her, whether it's our talents, uh, whether it's our time, whatever it is that, that we understand rendering to God what is God's, um, that uh, we need to always have God in the proper place in our hearts as the king of our hearts uh, and our minds. So let's pray. Father, we are blessed to be in your word and uh, blessed to go through it. And, and learn what you have to say, and, and uh, Lord, that your Holy Spirit speaks to us and, and teaches us uh, that we would learn it and learn how to apply it to our lives, and, and as we apply it to our lives, that we would live it and then be able to share it, Lord, that it wouldn't just stay with us, that we wouldn't just you know light a lamp and, and put a basket over it, but we would share. So we thank you for your word, and uh, we thank you for the time that we've had here. We pray that you be with us uh, in the week to come, that you would bless us, that you would uh, guide our steps and our conversations and, and everything that we have moving into this week, Lord, uh, that you would uh, use us mightily and that we'd be pleasing to you. In the name of Jesus, we, we pray this, and we pray that you bring us back here again safely next time. In Jesus' name, amen.